This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. Before we get into today's episode, let's hear a question from our All Audio Q Bank. You can get a ton of questions just like this one in our app available on iOS and Android to help you study on the go. You can learn more at insidetheboards.com app. A 66-year-old female presents to the office for evaluation of her long-standing type 2 diabetes mellitus. The patient states that she takes her medications as prescribed. Her recent morning blood glucose readings were 149, 127, and 151. The physician is considering adding canagliflozin to her regimen. Where in the nephron is this medication most effective? Is it A? Afferent arterial, B, proximal tubule, C, loop of Henle, or is it answer choice D, distal tubule? And the correct answer is choice B, proximal tubule. Canagliflozin, depagliflozin, and empagliflozin all end in flozin belong to the SGLT2 inhibitor class of pharmacologic agents used to treat type 2 diabetes mellitus. Glucose is mostly reabsorbed in the proximal tubule via SGLT2. This is the sodium glucose transporter located on the apical surface of tubular cells. This symporter employs the help of sodium ions to transport glucose. Thus, both sodium and glucose move from the urine into the tubular cell for reabsorption into the blood. Flozins inhibit this process, allowing glucose to be excreted in the urine. This helps to relieve some of the hyperglycemia seen in type 2 diabetes. Side effects of this medication include hyperkalemia and genitourinary infections like vulvovaginal candidiasis in females and UTIs in both genders. And the Boards Insider tip for this one is, the SGLT2 inhibitors are a pharmacologic class used to treat patients with type 2 diabetes mellitus. They promote glycosuria by preventing reabsorption of glucose in the proximal tubule. Side effects include hyperkalemia and genitourinary tract infections. And now, here's today's episode. 
Hey, y'all. Welcome to the another episode of ITB Inside the Boards with your favorite girls, Eva, and guess who? Swathi. Hey, guys. It's been a long time. I'm so glad to be back at happy hour. I know I've been gone for a minute. Yes, you have. And she's back from vacay and looking finer than ever. I know you, you're you dying and beaming with joy right now because I can see you. Tell us what's been going on with you. There's some interesting turn of events. Yes, yes. So, well, while I was away, I had a major life update. I'm engaged. She is beaming with joy. She's a bride to be. And I feel like on today's episode, we have so much to discuss because it is truly, truly, truly a happy hour. Congratulations, Swati. We're so happy for you. Thank you so much. So I'm assuming he heard our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what changed his mind (laughs) into getting married. Sometimes you just have to be like, hey, so... Which way are we going these days, you know? Yeah, it's like, what's our next move here? The most common answer is like, well, I really like where we are. Let's just keep staying here. (laughs) No, man, we got to move. Got to keep pushing this train forward. And you know what? She has a beautiful ring on her finger and it weighs a ton. She can't even lift her hand, guys. But um, honestly, right. congratulations. We wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thank you but so much. Since Swathi and I are newly engaged and extremely giddy, we have been <laughs> doing a lot of research into the wedding industry. And Oh, um, my gosh. It is such a nightmare. But, you know, during this research, though, you know, things that kept popping up was Indian matchmaking oh and uh, never have I ever. So, like, I popped it on. And it just made me realize that, you know, we're both from like the South Asian community and that culture of arranged marriages. I mean, you and non-South Asian friends are like, oh, is that real? Is that how it goes? What do you think about it? Is it accurate kind of thing? Yeah, I've watched both shows. In fact, I think I religiously watched both of those shows. I'm not caught up on all of it yet, but I absolutely enjoy it. And I have to agree with you. Like, I get a lot of these questions, assuming that maybe I'm going through the same process, but... No. (laughs) (laughs) Mini Kaling show, Never Have I Ever, like really, I think, did it well, like talking about the emotions that go behind getting arranged marriage or like going through the matchmaking process. And then I feel like Indian matchmaking on Netflix uh, shows the actual like nitty gritty of the process with like hiring a matchmaker like Seema Auntie. <laughs> oh gosh, Seema Auntie. I think somebody on my social media spotted Seema Auntie somewhere in Canada. I think she's here in Canada. I wonder if it's like a potential match she's uh, just checking out. Or I'm maybe excited. another contestant for season three. Yeah, like that would be so cool to watch. I just love it when people come to Canada because, you know, I feel like everything exciting happens in the U.S., right? Well, there's so many great people from Canada that we've taken <laughs> from you guys, like Justin Bieber, Celine Dion. <laughs> Drake. <laughs> yeah, no, we do have some amazing, amazing celebrities that are down south. But honestly, like Mindy Kaling has been doing an amazing job with her shows. I mean, I was a big fan of the one where she was an OBGYN, which was like the Mindy Kaling Project. Remember watching? Oh, yeah, the Mindy Project. Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that show was 
a phenomenal. That's how I became addicted to her. And then now that she's created this new show, I feel like Never Have I Ever has been such a good depiction of what both you and I went through as we were growing up in in, in Western society, right? All of the insecurities that we have, like, am I fitting in? Like, am I cool enough? Like having those moments of being embarrassed by Indian culture when we were younger. Yeah. Like when my parents told me to wear like a certain outfit and we had to go out in that. And then like, imagine oh stopping yeah, stopping yeah. at like a McDonald's. And I'm like, I have to go in like this. People are going to stare at me. You oh know? my gosh. I know like the sheer panic you're dressed up in the sari on your way to like some auntie's house and you have to stop at the local grocery store to pick up flowers or like a gift. And your parents like run inside and go get this. And you're like, I'm in an Indian outfit. They're going to look at me and judge me. I don't want (laughs) to. Yeah. And, but now it things are so different because I feel so proud to walk in, in a sari. And I don't know if it was just because of shows like this that are, you know, giving more exposure to our culture or if it's like, the fact that we've grown up and we've just kind of started owning who we are. You know, I I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both because I love dressing up in Indian clothes now. And so does my fiance. (laughs) He's not Indian, but he still likes dressing up in it. He's like, these outfits are so cool. I mean, maybe I'm biased for saying this, but I feel so sexy in a sari and I feel the most myself when I am dressed in my cultural attire you know and it's same thing with my fiance too like I know we look brown like we both look like we're the same but we're not (laughs) he's Arab and I am um, Bengali so we have different cultures he's not used to my clothing like the sari or langa so when I wear them he like looks at me with these happy meal eyes (laughs) (laughs) Those emoji eyes, the big ones. Yeah, exactly. With the hearts coming out. And he's like, wow, like, wow. (laughs) And I love it. No, I mean, they are super beautiful. Like there's so many things about the South Asian culture that, you know, I really didn't appreciate when I was younger, but now I'm definitely appreciating it. And it's really nice to see that the Western culture is also accepting of it and like interested in learning about it and like wanting to know more. The... Indian matchmaking one, I think, is a nice combination of fusing the Western world with the Eastern world because she does have clients that are born and raised in America, like looking for a partner in India. She does a really good job of portraying how it kind of is. And, you know, for those of you that have seen the show, you know, you know that there's a Seema auntie that shows her clients potential matches based off of something we call a bio data or data, however you want to pronounce it. This is very common. Like a lot of my friends have been asking me what that is. It sounds like a biological like information. Analysis, about- <laughs> like a DNA <laughs> Here you go. I am O positive or like O negative. No, it's not like that. But we'll tell you a little bit about what constitutes the bio data You know, it's kind of interesting how they incorporated that into the show. And I think it's a good way of showing what kind of was in the past of how, you know, our parents sort of got married versus what is slowly evolving towards kind of taking into the consideration that, you know what, we're growing up in this society where we do like to date. We do like to meet people, but it's not going to be done as traditionally as it was done in the past. Well, you know, there's a song. It's like that B-A-N-A-N-A-S song by uh, Gwen Stefani. It's like, B, 
I O D A T A, your bio data. <laughs> For an Indian version? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like some parody. It's like, B- no way. I-O-D-A-T-A. <laughs> Do you want to tell them a little bit about what a bio data is for those that have never heard that word? I mean, when you are an Indian child or a South Asian child in general, at a certain age, and there's no particular number, it's just whenever your parents decide that they're ready to get you married and ship you off and be somebody else's problem, they put together a list of your characteristics. And that includes not just your personality, like it's not just like how on Hinge or Bumble or something like that, where they ask you like different questions to get like a sense of who you are, but they put in like real profile characteristics, like how tall you are, what level of education you have, what skin color you have, which can range from like light wheatish brown to dark wheatish brown, because that's fair. (laughs) Yes. They also put in information about your family history, like if there's hereditary illnesses, like cancer, dementia, heart disease, if any family members have died, if you've ever been married or have children, or if you have any fertility issues, like if you have endometriosis, they can list that. Wow. That sucks. That's, that's yeah. Sad. Yeah. And then what ultimately happens is that they will, somebody will send out a biodata page. Like, okay, let's say my parents are creating one for me. They send it out to like their friends or family members. If you have a suitable match, like, let me know. And they will, if they find a suitable match, they will send a biodata page in return of the, of the boy. But the thing is, is just like with residency applications, you can filter your biodata matches. You can be like, I don't want anybody that's under six feet tall. I don't want anybody that has endometriosis. I don't want anybody that has a family history of, you know, certain cancers. It's kind of like LinkedIn, but in real life with a little bit of Tinder. And one thing I think we've left out is it comes with references. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. People can follow. It's like a job application. I feel like yeah. a lot of your intimate personal details that you wouldn't share necessarily in a job interview are listed yeah. on your biodata page. Yeah. It's like, would you like to marry me? I'm good for the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're laughing about it, but the truth of the matter is, you know, this is something that is created by, you know, our parents at some point. My parents have tried to create one for me, failed miserably. Like, what were they going to put? She's hyper. <laughs> she's crazy. <laughs> no, they were just saying that she's beautiful. She's smart. She's talented and she carries herself with a grace like grace kelly you know i should have had you as my sema auntie (laughs) but yeah like i feel like my parents never kind of got to that point where they were able to make a bio data for me but i did see a few from my cousins and people that i know and i mean i will admit like I made fun of them. Oh, it's not just making fun of. My parents tried and they're like, we can create one super easily. All Like me and my sisters, we were all adamantly like, please do not go down this road. Not because like we were ashamed of the arranged marriage, but we really wanted to go down like the love marriage route like my parents did. And it was successful for them. 100%. I totally understand the benefits of it. Like when you're a working professional, you don't have time to go on dates. Like we were talking about a couple episodes ago. Um, like you're so busy and like getting to know somebody on an intimate level so quickly, the biodata page really helps with that. Like there's a positive and a negative to everything. Like your parents, like you said, had a love marriage. Like my parents will straight up match 
made. My mom, I think, met my dad a few months before they got married. It was very old school, you know? Yeah. I mean, they managed to make it work, but, you know, not all marriages do turn out well when it's done like that. And again, like, look at the divorce rate these days. Like, in this part of the world, like, they don't have marriages like they did in India or Bangladesh or Pakistan or wherever, but they do have love marriages here and, you know, those fail too. So yeah. there's no like it's perfect not, system. <laughs> right, exactly. Not one or the other is great. But you know, not to say that my parents didn't have people in their life trying to match them. It was just that, you know, they want, they've met each other, they fell in love and that's the route that they pursued. So we were, me and my sisters, meaning we were kind of hoping to do that as well. And then for also people that, are listening. A love marriage is means that you, just like how you would think you would get married in the Western culture, like you date and you fall in love and then you get married, as opposed to someone handpicking a suitor for you and then expediting the process. So you basically are not in love when you are getting married, but the love grows as the marriage develops. Exactly. And I, that's that's really nicely put. I mean, I, we don't want to make it sound like arranged marriages have no, they're loveless. <laughs> Love. <laughs> they're super full yeah. of love. I want to say majority of my parents' friends, just like your parents, Eva, were arranged and, you know, best of friends 30, 40 years into their marriage. So obviously those feelings of affection grow, especially when you're spending your life with somebody. How could they not? Watching this show. Okay. So where I got super interested was when they showed this guy in season two and he's a doctor. Um, yeah, his name is Arshneel Kochar. Oh my God, Arshneel, if you're listening to this, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering your last name, but honestly, like he was such a sweetheart. I thought he was so sweet. Um, he's a yeah, I saw this kid too and guess where he's from? He's where? from Cleveland, Ohio. No way, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like he was such a sweetheart and but it seemed like he was very indecisive on who he wants to choose. Mind you, I haven't really finished the whole show. So but I did. Okay, so I won't spoil it for you or for anyone. I don't want to spoil it for our listeners either. Maybe they're going to get into it listening to this, you know, but we will tell you that he did get three suitors, right? I mean, he. I, I don't know if he went on a date with all three. Do you remember? Like, did you see that? Uh, I can't remember, but I know like one of them, he did end up um, exchanging information with. I, I'll kind of just give a brief like synopsis, I guess. Arshneel met three girls or like he got three proposals, three bio datas to be quite exact. One is a girl in finance. I forget what her name is. I think it was like Anjali. Uh, I remember she was like half Bengali. That's why I was like, ooh, like, that's so pretty, cool. like, you know? I was like, oh, she's really pretty. And then there was this other girl named Wrinkle Goyle from Mumbai. I think she's like the dentist. So I was like, wow, that might be a really good match. And then there was another girl. Her name is Jasmine Singh, and she's from L.A., and she's an interventional pain management physician. So just like him, like, they're both doctors. Surprisingly, okay. and I'm sorry if I'm adding spoilers. If this is a spoiler and you don't want to listen further, Cop out now, but um, he didn't go with her as her first pick. I don't know why. Maybe it was just like he doesn't want to date another physician. Like, I don't know. Hmm, that's so interesting because if she, her last name is Jasmine Singh, she's probably Punjabi. He's Punjabi. So, like, you would think that their cultural would align a little bit better than, you know, say, like the Bengali girl. Exactly. Like, I would think that was perfect match. Like, he, she's Punjabi. She's a physician. Yeah. 
Yeah. On paper. See, this is the thing. On paper, it looks good. But who knows? When you get like the biodata page, like on paper, everything looks good. But until you meet somebody, I mean, just like with anything, like if you're applying for a job or you're hiring somebody on paper, somebody's resume might look excellent. And then you meet them in person. You're like, there's just no spark. I cannot imagine working with this person, you know, 40 hours a week. So imagine meeting somebody and being like, I can't imagine spending 40 years with this person. <laughs> yeah. What what Swati means in another terms is they're a creep. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes socially awkward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing I do remember that he did mention in this in the episode was that he wanted somebody, I think, like that would accept his him wearing a turban. Like I don't know if that's a big issue. I guess like in the Western culture, it would be right. Like if you were dating American girl, I mean, meaning like a Caucasian female who is not exposed to that culture and they have to bring somebody around wearing a turban and a beard all the time. Like that's probably a little awkward. Even with like Indian people, like there are different cultures within India, like which is news to people sometimes because <laughs> they don't realize how multicultural India is. Like there's like so many languages, you know, the provinces in India don't speak the same language. <laughs> exactly. Like we have one common language, which is Hindi. But I mean, there's people that and English. Those are the two national languages. Yeah. For example, Swati and I both speak Bangla, but say somebody from Punjab would not understand a lick of Bangla. At all. And we don't understand Punjabi. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it goes both ways. But yeah, going back to this guy. Uh, yeah, so he was saying that it was super important for him to find somebody that accepted his turban. And it's not so much a turban. It's more like the cultural practices, right? Like having to put on the turban every day, certain like things that go with being Punjabi or not even Punjabi, but being Sikh, right? Like practicing yeah. the religion. So I think he was looking for somebody overall and somebody that can mesh with his family, I think. That's very valid. You know, we're both in interracial, intercultural relationships. And one of the reasons why I think we love our partners is they're so willing and open to accept the culture and not just accept it, but like embrace it wholeheartedly. Like you were saying, like Sultan gets like those big googly eyes when you're wearing your eyes. Yeah. You know, we have a lot to offer on our end with our culture, with our differences. And, you know, they do too. And I think this is why we mesh so well. You know, we're both marrying non-South Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also marrying outside of my religion. Mm -hmm. So like just having a person that understands to value and to respect those aspects of my life and like vice versa. Like I also value and respect his culture and his religion. I think that's super important. And I can see why people would want to go down the arranged marriage route because not everybody is so open-minded or, you know, accepting and like not just tolerant because I feel like tolerant means that you coexist, but you don't really embrace it. Yeah. I think there's certain non-negotiables for people. And then there's things that the people can negotiate on. Religion is one of those non-negotiables for many. So even for my family, like my parents have never really outlined what they wanted, but you can just tell like they wanted somebody Bengali, which didn't happen. (laughs) I feel like nothing happened to what they wanted. (laughs) What are you talking about? Your fiance is amazing and perfect for you. So yeah, I did find the right person for me. And I think my parents are just really happy because I am happy and they really enjoy his company. So 
I think at the end of the day, it all worked out. But like as religion, we are the same religion. I'm of, you know, the Islamic faith. So both of us are, I guess you can say from that same background. So that's where we have a lot of that commonality. But when it comes to our cultures, it's like he's Middle Eastern, he's Arab, and I am Bengali, Southeast Asian. So it's completely separate. We do see some things in common, like biryani. But, you know, that's kind of where we we meet with the cultures. I did want to talk about another contestant. Or I shouldn't say contestant. Another client. These are not contestants. They're not winning. <laughs> but this other um, client that she had, his name was Akshay. And this is another thing that you can put on the biodata page. So Akshay's story is they say that uh, he went to the face reader and he had a this marriage curse that was detected by the face reader and it's called a viva bandan dosha. Another terminology for this could be like a mangalik dosha. On your biodata page, they list your birthday and your birth time and your birthplace location because based on this, they're going to create like whoever's matching you is going to create a birth chart to see if your charts align. And in that birth chart, it can say, hey, this person has a Mongol dosha or is Mongoli, which means that they're not suitable for marriage. Like they're going to somehow bring harm upon their married life. Uh, they bring harm to their spouse through like illness or like an untimely death or just not a prosperous marriage. Akshay is like is having to kind of maneuver around this. And, you know, a lot of people can say, oh, like if you're looking at his biodata page, oh, I don't want this person. And now you have to go through like all of these ceremonies and curse breaking rituals to get rid of this. Yeah, basically, I mean, I did see that episode and I've kind of like, I haven't finished it fully yet. But from what I've seen so far, the guy is just having really bad luck with dating. Like he meets these amazing girls. But then when they have to come back to his hometown, which is, I think, outside of Mumbai, they don't want to. Like it's, I forget what that area is called, but like, they're just like, no, we're not moving there if we're getting married and stuff like that. So when he met with the priest, that's what like the priest had told him, like, you're cursed, basically. If you want a woman, you got to lift this stuff. So it's kind of cool that you've explained it because I always wanted to understand how these things work. I'm really, really fascinated by it. The Mongol dosha is is a really popular one. My dad has a joke. You know, when we were young, if you didn't want to see a girl anymore, or, you know, continue dating her, all you had to say was, oh, I'm Mongolik. Um, yeah. And then the girl would immediately run for the hills because she knows that she is not marrying that person. And actually... Uh, my fiance used that joke on me. You didn't run for the hills, though, did you? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't know he was joking when he said that. I was like, wait, how are you, How do you know that terminology? Where did you hear that? Are you? When did you get your birth chart? <laughs> <laughs> He's not Mongolik. Uh, but like, if you are Mongolik, it doesn't mean that it's an end all be all. You can't ever get married. There are ways to like go about it and like to remove the curse as it is. You know, she's a famous Bollywood um, movie star. Her name is Ashwarya Rai. I think she married a tree because of it, right? Like something. Yeah. So you have to do certain rituals. Yeah. So she like married a tree, and I think now that's why she's married to Abhishek Bachchan. You know. Um. So I think I guess it worked out for her. So I'm hoping it works. Yeah. Out for I mean, food. I think I think she's doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is with the Mongolik stuff or the Mongol dosha. So Mongol dosha is like the curse, and then if you have it, you are Mongolik. Just to clarify terminology here. 
if you are Mongolique, like you can do rituals like that. There's different ones based on when you were born, or you can just kind of wait a little bit in your life because as you age throughout your life, the curse of it gets lifted. We have like these things that are in place to kind of like help ensure like success and longevity of a marriage. And yeah, it does sound weird, like to say you have a marriage curse, but in practicality, it actually makes sense. Like if you didn't need to get married at a young age, why not wait for a little bit until you establish yourself and are able to be a better version of yourself to another person, whether that's like, you know, emotionally, financially, like mentally, I think all these things like really do provide a benefit. I love how you bridged, um, us, you know, psychology with ancient spiritual practices. <laughs> no, you I, know, I you should get my dad on here. He'll bridge everything to string theory. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that. That was a really good way of conceptualizing it and, you know, explaining why certain practices were in place. And it makes a lot of sense. Honestly, I love chatting about this. I feel like we have so much more to talk about. We're going to come back with a part two. Y'all wait. I think so too, because we have to talk about kind of the emotional roller coaster of going through an arranged marriage that's kind of depicted in Never Have I Ever. And also like the emotional roller coaster that the clients go through on Indian matchmaking. Make sure you guys tune into our part two and let us know some of the stuff that you guys want us to share, talk about, write us, email us. Instagram us at Inside the Boards. Find us on Twitter at Boards Insider or connect with us on Facebook. And make sure you keep listening to us on all your podcast listening devices, such as Apple and Spotify. We can't wait to chat with you soon. See you guys next time. Bye.